All right, get your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 22. I'm starting, I'm kicking off a series this weekend called How to Take Over a World. Um, when I started, uh, Julie and I started the church, oh, gosh, eight years ago, um, people would always say, hey, what are you doing? And I would always say, I'm trying to take over the world. I had someone ask me one time, uh, do you believe in dominion theology? Now, I don't know what that is, really, because I'm not a theologian, right? Shocker. I mean, I guess kind of. I mean, I, I study God, but you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't qualify myself or believe that I'm a theologian, mostly because I don't want to debate people about theology, right? It's just not. And, and, I, and I love everybody, and from time to time I get... Well, often I get emails of deep theological questions. And what you need to understand, that's not my jam. That's really not what God's called me to do is to be the Bible answer man. Um, and, and, you know, and, you know and, and I don't mind trying to help, but, but that's not really my passion. My passion is always leading and feeding. That's all I want to do. I want to lead people and I want to feed people. That's really, those are my passions. And since we started the church, that's what I've worked to get to, to a place where I lead the staff and lead people, move people forward, and, and then where I just feed people. And, and that's what I love to do. So just so you know, that's where I'm at on that. <laughs> so, um, but, but I would tell people I'm trying to take over the world. And they say, you know, it's just dominion theology. I don't know what that is, but, but I know this. I, I don't have losing theology, Amen. right? Like, I don't think God called me to, I don't think God gives us grace so we can get the stuff and beat out of us over and over again by hell. And then one day we die and that's how we win. Like when I read the Bible, I don't, I don't see it that way. Right? I, I see it completely different. The, the series we came out of called Gospel, I see it where, where the kingdom of God is here, that Jesus brought the kingdom back to the earth and he gave us the keys. And he's actually said, Hey, God's will is simply this He wants heaven on earth. And so here are the keys to bring heaven on earth. And we talked about that in that series. And apparently last weekend was the me best message I've ever preached in my life. So I guess I retire now. And so, um, and so but, but we talked about that. And so as we are moving forward, I just, I wanted, this is one of our values, take over the world, because I think that's what God's called us to do. And, um, and so I want to talk about it in the next few weeks as leading up to Easter. And, uh, and so I, we're going to start this today. It should be fun. In Luke 22, um, Jesus is praying. In fact, it's, um, if you kind of line the gospels out parallel, uh, most people know that in John 17, 18, John 17, Jesus actually has this extended prayer where he prays really for, for us, for you, for the church, for me. And, uh, and so this happens at this time. So this is right before he's going to be arrested or betrayed by Judas. Um, and, and he's praying. And, and I, I, when I was thinking about how to take over a world, I immediately thought about what if we looked at Jesus' life like the day before he was crucified. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the night, the day, right in there, and kind of look at the things that he said. And so this is the first thing that I saw, is right before he's about to be arrested and then crucified, we see this in Luke 22, 39. It says, And he came out, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. Now, time out. He's going to pray. But I want you to look at this phrase. And he came out as was his custom. Do you see that? In other words, this was his lifestyle. This was his, his habit. Right? This was his commitment. And I'm going to say something 
that I mean in a real sweet way, but I'm going to put just a little bit of a point to it so that it sticks in your heart a little bit. Is that okay? Jesus was the son of God who was without sin. And for him to do what God had called him to do, he had to cultivate a lifestyle of prayer. So wouldn't it be the highest form of arrogance in the universe to assume that you could do anything God asked you to do without cultivating a lifestyle of prayer? Like, we can go home now. That was it. That's all I got, right? But, but I mean, think about this, because I remember as we were heading to this year and, and knowing what I felt like God put before us and knowing what I felt like God was calling us to as a church, and I remember God said something, not condemningly, but, but just kind of matter-of-factly said, hey, Marty, you want to do more, you got to pray more. And, and, and you need to understand, we're going to talk about prayer today, because here's how I think you take over the world. You pray like the world depends on it. Here's how you take over the world. Number one, pray like the world depends on it. That's what we're going to talk about today. But, but, but it wasn't like condemningly. It was just matter of fact, like, like Marty, like here's the thing. You want to do more, you, you have to pray more. We don't actually pray to get gold stars from heaven. We don't actually pray to impress God. We don't actually pray to get God's favor on our lives. That's not really, like if we're praying to get God to bless us or we're praying to get God's favor or we're praying so God will be happy with us, like we're totally missing the point. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about prayer. But if we're going to take over world, like if we're going to move forward as a church, what we have on the docket to do is huge. It is beyond us. Right? And we say, hey, we want to take over the world. We want to see God's kingdom. All right. Well, we're going to have to pray like the world depends on it because it does. And that's what we see here. So going back to the text, it says he went to the Mount of Olives as was his custom and the disciples followed him. And it says, when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw away and knelt down and prayed saying, father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven to strengthen him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. Such an intense passage, really. And I know if you've been in church, and especially as you approach Easter, you probably heard this, but that is intense. And so I just want to look at this. You can write this down, number one. I want to look at the prayer's purpose. I think we need to be really clear on prayer. What is prayer's purpose? Well, I think we see it here. Luke twenty two forty two. 42 said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. There's a lot of wills in here. Um, I think we need to primarily understand this. And I think this is where sometimes we get a little bit confused. Because I don't know if you know this, but our culture kind of lends itself to narcissism. Have y'all noticed that? Have you read Facebook lately? Um, <laughs> our culture kind of lends itself to narcissism, and it's really easy to start thinking this is all about us. And it's easy for us to start thinking that prayer is all about what we want to happen. And when you really look at prayer, prayer is not about what we want to happen. Prayer was given to us to focus on what God wants to happen. 
In fact, prayer is a vehicle not to get your will, but to get his will. The focus of prayer is not so that your will be done on earth as you want it. <laughs> the focus of prayer, just like Jesus said, he said, hey, I, I'd really like to not do this. Like, there's my will. But God, this is really about your will. And so prayer is actually the vehicle that God has given us to accomplish his will on the earth. Prayer is not where we get what we want from God. Prayer is where, what, where God gets what he wants through us. In fact, when, when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray in Matthew 6, verse 9, he said, in this manner pray. In other words, here's how you pray. People call this the Lord's Prayer. It's not really the Lord's Prayer. It's a model prayer. He's actually teaching on prayer. Um, his prayer, I think the Lord's actual prayer is John 17. But um, in this one, he says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, how to be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice the first thing. Like Jesus says, the disciples, imagine this. You know, God, they're talking to Jesus. How do we pray? What, what, how does this work? He's like, well, the first thing you pray is that his will be done. That his kingdom come. That's the first thing. See, and then you go on to give us this day our daily bread and forgive us and lead us not. And, and here's the problem, I think, because with where we're at, when we lean a little bit toward narcissism, when we start praying, we move right to, now give us what we want. You don't have to, you don't have to nod. I know you do it. Because you're human, right? And we all have to deal with our humanity. And our humanity wants comfort. And our humanity wants blessing and easy and, right? And, and here's the problem. I think that prayer has an order to it. In other words, God's going to provide. He's going to take care of you. But, but you have to understand that God is primarily focused on seeing his will done in the earth. That is his primary focus. And, and so when you talk about prayer, God's like, well, this is how I get my will done in the earth. So he gave us this thing of prayer and the teaching around prayer. And can I tell you something that maybe you've never thought about? Every prayer you've ever seen answered has one common denominator. Do you know what that is? It accomplished God's will. Even the ones that blessed you, even the ones that increased you, I can tell you that every prayer, that, and I can tell you this, that God will not answer a prayer that doesn't accomplish his will. So God cannot answer a prayer based on your will that violates his will because God will not violate his own purpose. And so when we're talking about this idea of prayer, what we're talking about is this idea that, that God has given us prayer because he wants to see his will accomplished on the earth. That's the purpose. Now, I know you're sitting here like, well, do I not ever get any blessing? Okay, let me help you. Number one, Lord, heal us of narcissism. Number two is that God has a good will towards you. God, God has, I mean, Jeremiah tells us he has a good will of hope and he has these plans. And, and I, I love in, um, where's it at? In first uh, Chronicles four, it's given the, like the genealogy of the tribe of Judah. And then all of a sudden it starts, stops with this guy. We call him Jabez. It really would have been Yabez, but 
you know, Jabez, Yabez, whatever works for you. Um, but, but it's genealogy. Like this guy had, 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 this guy. And it goes on for a while. This guy had, this guy had, this guy. And then all of a sudden, and this guy had Jabez. And Jabez called on the name of the Lord saying, bless me, right? Enlarge my border. Let your hand be upon me and, and keep me from pain. Very selfish prayer, it seems like. And it says, and God answered it. Why? Apparently, God wants all those things. And so I know sometimes we, we in, 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 I don't mean this in a bad way, but in, almost in, in a, however you want to say it, humanistic way, we look at this and we say, well, you know, John chapter 15 says we can ask whatever we desire and it will be done for us. It does, but Jesus gives a little bit of a caveat to that if, if you look. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask. You have to remember, this is three years into a journey with 12 men where their, their wills have been changed, their desires have been submitted to the teachings of Jesus, to the word of God, and now he's saying, hey, if there is a synchronization of your hearts with God's heart, he's always going to answer a prayer that's centered on his will. And when your will and his will are the same, you're going to ask whatever you will, and it's going to be done. He's talking about a place of maturity. He's not talking about a drive-through. Because sometimes sometimes we kind of treat prayer like ordering at, you know, the fast food restaurant. You know, like, well, I'd like some anointing and, and, and I'd like, you know, some healing and I'd like some blessing. Oh, you have that in a combo? Number three, well, you know, biggie size my piece. Um, <laughs> and so we have to understand that, that, that God has a good will and, and that God has a good will towards us. But listen to me very carefully. Prayer, um, prayer is all about synchronization of heart and synchronization of will and synchronization of desire. And that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, when, when you really abide in me and my words abide in you, and there becomes this synchronization of the will of man and the will of God, then you're going to pray the will of God and God's going to do it. And listen, God, I think God wants to heal us and I think God wants to increase us, but, but primarily God wants to see his kingdom come. When his kingdom comes, his kingdom has prosperity and healing and health in it. That's why I said, seek first the kingdom and these things will be added. So there's an order to prayer. When we spend all of our prayer time trying to get what we want, sometimes we're praying prayers that he can't really engage in because his primary focus is not getting you what you want. His primary focus is getting what he wants through you. And that's why you have to understand number two. Number two is prayer's partnership. Luke twenty two forty two. 42, he said, Father. He starts his prayer with Father. He says, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup. We just read it. Father, Father. When he teaches the disciples to pray, he says, pray like this. Our, that's a revolutionary concept. It's not, no one had called God Father. Not the God Father, but no one had called God Father, right? No one had called God Father. It's unheard of. And I think the first time Jesus, they're saying, how do we pray? And Jesus says, well, you say, our Father. They're like, wait a second. <laughs> he might be your father, but he's not, he's not my father, right? We're Jewish guys. We understand how this works. He's Yahweh, right? He's Jehovah. He's Elohim. Those are the names of God. That's who he is. Now, how do we pray? And Jesus said, you pray our father. Because, see, Jesus came to restore relationship. 
See, this is about prayers collaboration. God has limited what he's going to do on the earth to the prayers of his sons and daughters. Jesus comes to restore relationship back to God, the same relationship God wanted. God created Adam to be a son. We are all born again into the family of God, whereby we become sons or sons and daughters of God. And so when Jesus is saying how this is supposed to work, how it worked in the garden, if you will, was our father. Prayer is not where subjects beg a God. Prayer is where God has given us access to his living room. Come boldly to the throne room of God and receive mercy, right? To the throne room of grace and receive mercy, right? He is, God has given us, the Father has given us access to his living room. And prayer is where sons and the Father collaborate together in a way that shapes earth to look like heaven. So this has become like a holy collaboration um, prayer doesn't flow toward intimacy. It flows from it. Our Father. Worship flows towards intimacy. Right? How should we pray? Our, fa you know, our Father art in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. Right? Why? Worship flows toward intimacy. Prayer flows from it. You can't pray yourself into intimacy with God. You worship yourself into intimacy with God. Then you pray from intimacy with God. Right? This is why grace is so important, um, because if, if your salvation is maintained by you and not the mediator, Jesus, then you're constantly trying to pray into intimacy so that you can pray from intimacy. Because effective prayer is from intimacy, our Father. Well, if you're not convinced he's your Father, if you're not convinced you're in good standing with your Father, it's going to be hard to pray. Right, so, so the work that Jesus does through grace is very relevant and very important because Jesus, by his grace, is the mediator of our covenant with God so that now, listen, here's what grace does. Grace separates my experience from my performance. Grace says, here's your experiment. Here's the experience you can have even when your performance is not such. I don't think any of us want the experience with God that our performance has earned us. <laughs> and so, so grace separates these two out. And so when we understand that it's by grace that we're saved through faith, and so my relationship with God and my position with God as my father is guaranteed. It is held by Jesus. It is held by grace. Now, do I mess up? Yes. But does messing up change my position? No. Right? When I mess up, what do I do? I go. And he is faithful and just to forgive me my sins. Well, why do you repent of sin if sin doesn't change your position? You repent of sin because when we repent of sin, even though we are held by grace, it cleanses our conscience so that we have what confidence towards God. Right? Because I don't want to be at a distance. I want to be close. And so when he's saying our father, well, here's this position that we get to pray for, pray from that is actually maintained or mediated by Jesus so that it can't change. So your position with God is by faith through grace, right? And it can't change because Jesus is the mediator. He is maintaining your relationship with God. That's the whole idea of grace. The law said you maintain it. That didn't work out well for mankind, right? So Jesus came with a new covenant say, I'll be the mediator. There's one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. And so he's like, I will mediate your relationship with God so that it never has to change at all as long as you have faith in me. 
And so now when he's saying, how do you pray? Well, you pray from intimacy, not towards intimacy. Our Father. Now, we are partnering with God. See, God has limited his activity on the earth. That's what we see in Genesis, where God said, Adam, I'm going to give you dominion over the earth. You subdue and take dominion. I'm going to limit what I do on the earth to what you do, Adam. And now we see the same thing with Jesus. Here's the keys. Now, I'm going to limit what I do through the church. I'm only going to move through the church. I'm just going to move through you. If, if, <laughs> okay, if we don't like what we see through on the earth, the problem is not on God's end of the equation. Now we don't like this because we don't want to be responsible for anything. No, I want the case Sarah gospel. I don't like this idea that God has put the heavens or the earth or the Lord's, but the earth's given to the sons of men. I don't like this idea that God's put me in charge down here. And now if I don't like what I see, it's something, the responsibility falls on me. I'd rather be his fault. I'd rather be mad at him. Listen to me. God cannot, will not do more than you pray. Because he has given you the avenue of prayer to partner with him to see heaven come to the earth through you. And he will not violate his principle. It is not a limitation of power. He has limited himself by, by principle. And he's saying, hey, I put man in charge here. Right? Th this is what we see in, in, um, in Matthew. I don't know where it is, but somewhere in there. Yeah, 16. Do you have that one? Hey, there it is. Those guys are awesome back there. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't use your notes. You forget where you are. But this is what we say. Look, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you buy. Now, this translation, and most of the translations that have this scripture are wrong, by the way. But, but just so you can see what the Bible says, then I'll explain what it should have said. If you have a worlds, new worlds, it's not worlds. Worlds translation, W-O-R-R-E-L-S, then it's the accurate version. But... Um, verse 19, it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Here's the problem with the translation is heaven's always the control center. Heaven doesn't live in reaction or response to earth. Earth is supposed to respond to heaven. And so really the accurate language here would have been, I'll give you the keys to heaven and whatever is bound in heaven, you can bind on the earth and whatever's loose in heaven, you can loose on the earth. In other words, God says, I give you these keys, their authority and their access. What are they authority and their access for? So that we can partner to see heaven come on the earth and whatever is loosed in heaven. Well, what's loosed in heaven? Peace, joy, healing, righteousness, right? What, what is bound in heaven? Sickness, disease, poverty, right? Right? So do you see that? So now there's this partnership between God and us. That Jesus, Did you notice he said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom and whatever God wants on earth. That's not what it says. It says whatever you. It doesn't say whatever God binds or loose. It says whatever you. Whatever you. Like prayer is this holy partnership with God where we're able to partner with God and, and see his kingdom come on the earth. That's what prayer is all about. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's the first part of the prayer. And, and this is what we are called into. Um, I believe prayer is, is practice for ruling and reigning with Jesus on the earth. Revelation 5, um, 10 
Revelation 5.10 says, uh, and they sing a new song. And this is the saints. This is us singing, by the way. And they sang a new song with these words, you are worthy to take the scroll and break his seal and open it for you are slaughtered and your blood has ransomed the people of God from every tribe and language and people and nation, right? So obviously this is the saints singing about Jesus. Then verse 10, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God and they will reign on the earth. The way this thing ends up, we reign with Jesus on the earth, right? I feel like somebody just like won a slot machine. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> you can tithe on it and redeem it. Anyways, um, <laughs> but you see what he says? He says, hey, you're going to rule and reign with Jesus. Like this is where this whole thing ends up is that we rule and reign with Jesus. And I think prayer is how we start the ruling and reigning with Jesus. Now your kingdom come, your will be done. He's given us the keys, authority and access to bring heaven into the earth. So here, here is the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is to bring God's will into the earth through us, right? The, 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 the power of prayer is to bring God's kingdom through us, right? The partnership of prayer is that it comes through us. So prayer is about what God's trying to get in the earth through you. But now I want to talk about the persistence of prayer. Prayer is persistence. And this is, to me, a huge thing because we do live in a microwave society, right? For some people in our church, if their driver's side window broke, they'd starve to death because that's how all the food comes in. You know I'm telling you the truth. Right? Because we live in, in a highly microwave, right? I mean, we always, we always want it now, right? I mean, we will put a dress we want, not me because I don't wear dresses, but we'll put clothes we want that we can't afford on a credit card so we can spend the next 12 years paying 27% interest on some clothes that we just had to have right now because we couldn't afford it. Because we're Americans and by God, we want it now. McDonald's has taught us that we can have it now, right? And we sit in a restaurant and have to wait more than 15 minutes for our food. We're like, my God, what's wrong with these people? They had to go kill the cow, right? Because we're Americans and we always want to reap where we haven't sown. We always want to sleep with it first and marry it later. Right? Um, you know, in the kingdom, there's this principle of sowing and reaping. It works on a lot of things in relationships and righteousness and the fruit of the spirit and finances. And isn't it interesting that we're always out there with a shovel trying to dig up our harvest when we haven't planted anything? And isn't that the highest form of entitlement that exists? We're not entitled. We just expect the blessings of God, whether we do it his way or not. And so when it comes to prayer, unfortunately, many times what we presume is that if we prayed once or twice and God didn't do it, that it's not God's will. And, and when we presume that, what we've actually said 
is that earth is going to determine what happens here instead of heaven. Look at what Jesus said. This is an extraordinary passage. I don't know if you picked this up. Man, there's so much. In Luke twenty two forty three. look at this. He is praying until he cannot pray anymore. And when he runs out of gas praying, God sends an angel from heaven to strengthen him. Why? So he could pray some more. Do you see this? And appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Well, didn't he already pray at once? See, just because something didn't happen the first time you prayed doesn't mean that's not God's will. Let me give you an example. According to Peter, God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Have you ever known anybody that perished or hadn't come to repentance? It's okay. It's not a trick question. The answer is yes. This is yes. This is no. This is I'm confused. <laughs> right? But, but have people perished? Yeah. Well, what happened? I thought God always gets what he wants. Well, he does in heaven. But we determine if God gets what he wants on the earth. Thus, he gave us prayer. See, my concern is that we don't know what it means to labor in prayer. Right? I'm going to say something again because my job here today is mostly just to um, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. And um, if your devotional time is behind the steering wheel of your car on your way to work, you don't know what it's like to labor in prayer. I'm not saying you should stop praying behind the steering wheel of your car on your way to work. I'm not saying that at all. I do that as well. I pray in my car. I pray all the time. I pray in different places. But that's not what it means to labor in prayer. Right? That's kind of the drive-through prayer. God bless mama. God bless me. And, and nothing, nothing wrong with that. If that's God's will, and I, I think... There's a case to be made there, but I'm just saying a lot of the times when we want to see heaven come to earth, come to earth then there's a different investment involved than a drive-through prayer. Why? Because most of the time on the earth, listen to me very carefully, for anything to change on the earth, we are not waiting on God to move. Jesus sat down. Why do you sit down? Because you're done. We keep wanting Jesus to take responsibility for our part. And he's like, I'm sitting down because I did my part. What's his job right now? Making intercession for you. He's still doing his part, but his part is not to come down and do your part. How do you, how do you take over the world? You pray like the world depends on it. Um. In Galatians chapter 4, the Galatians were screwed up like most churches. And um, in Galatians chapter 4, in Galatians, you know, they were born of the Spirit and free in the Spirit. And then they decided, uh, having been born again by the Spirit, to start pleasing God by the works of their flesh, by keeping the law, that kind of thing. And God, you know, Paul writes to them, like, who's beseeched you 
you know. So it's an amazing book. But then he gets to, to chapter 4 and verse 11 and then verse 19. Chapter 4, verse 19. He talks about laboring in prayer. He says, My little children, from whom, from, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. I labor in... And this here's what Paul said. I didn't just pray one time. Lord, bless those Galatians. I hope they figure it out. Paul said he labored as though he were birthing something. How does a spiritual kingdom come to a physical planet? You have to birth it. Now, see, women get that. Men, we don't. We have some frame of context for it. But he said, I, I, labored, I labored in prayer. Um, let's take a look at Jesus back. Here he is, Gethsemane, right? He's at Gethsemane on Mount, the Mount of Olives. Um, Gethsemane means the place of the olive press, the place of the olive press. It's where you actually crush the olive. That's what an olive press does. You crush the olive to get the oil out. Um, and so he's praying and he's praying to the point that blood is now dripping out of his skin. Um, med a medical doctor could explain how that happens. I'm not a medical doctor, but it, it's a legitimate thing. It's stress induced, right? So he's at the place of the olive press where olives are crushed to get the oil out. And he is praying. until blood is coming out. Because the first thing prayer does is changes us. Because prayer is all about synchronization, synchronization of will. God, I'm not... God, if you're willing, I'd rather not do this. Not my will, but your will. Um, if you were looking at this, you would think because an angel of the Lord came to strengthen him that he was getting weaker when truthfully he was getting stronger. Why was he getting stronger? Because at this place of the olive press where the olive is crushed so that the oil comes out, his, his will is actually being crushed so God's will can come out. And anytime our will is crushed so that God's will can come out, we are actually being strengthened even though our flesh is being weakened. And so the first thing that, that prayer does is it changes us. Here's the second thing prayer does is prayer changes the conditions on which the decisions of God are made. It changes the conditions. Now you're going to have to go with me on this because when, when I was studying this and I have never heard what I'm about to tell you before in my life, but I believe it with all of my heart, right? I don't think Jesus ever had to deal with phones making noise. <laughs> like, I don't see that on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor and... Anyways. Um. <laughs> Peter, turn your phone off. <laughs> Trying to write the Bible here. Um, 
And so prayer, first of all, prayer is actually what transforms us. Because prayer is all about the synchronization of heart and the synchronization of will, right? Because prayer is how God gets his will into the earth. It's not how we get God to do our will. And we approach prayer from God trying to get us to do, or or we're trying to get God to do our will. We're wasting our time in prayer because God to do our will apart from his will would violate his purpose and he is not willing to do that. And so he has given us prayer, right? Um, Do you remember in Luke chapter 18, it talks about the unjust judge and it has this little woman and it says that she basically kept asking this judge to move on her behalf and he wouldn't and she just kept wearing him out until finally he moved. And people, because Jesus tell the story, think we're talking about God, right? And, And so I've heard some people say, hey, if you just wear God out, he'll finally give you what you want. That's stupid. You can't wear God out. You will wear out first right? I promise you. Then the other people say, well, the antithesis is true. You just have to pray one time. That's what Jesus is telling us. I don't think either of those are accurate because I think prayer changes the conditions on which the decisions of God are made. Now, follow me with this. Jesus is praying. He is being strengthened as he is being weakened. He is, his will is being crushed so that God's will can come through him. He is synchronizing himself with God. Now, Follow me because he's about to be arrested. Okay. Do you remember in the Old Testament when there's the scripture in Exodus that's pretty powerful because it said, I'm going to raise you up that I can show my power through you. And when you hear that and you hear Exodus, you think God, you think we're talking about Moses, but we're actually talking about Pharaoh, the Antichrist. That God literally is telling an Antichrist, the Antichrist person, Pharaoh, the figure here, I'm going to raise you up so I can show my power through you. On his best day, Satan works for God. Right? And, and I think he probably gets frustrated because this has been going on a long time. And every time he thinks he's working for him, he's just getting the will of God moved closer. Jesus is in a garden. He has to be arrested. He has to be betrayed, arrested, tried, convicted, and executed. God is not going to do it. God's not going to kill him. Violate his nature. But yet, earth has to be shifted in a way, and all these possibilities and variables have to be lined up, and all the situations have to be manipulated and changed so that Jesus can be betrayed, arrested, beaten, sentenced, and executed. And God's not going to do it. What changes earth so the will of God can come? Here's what I believe. I believe Jesus is in the garden being crushed so that God's will can be done. And I think it is actually Jesus' prayer. The reason he has to continue. He's prayed. He's tired. God says, let me strengthen you so you can keep praying. Why? Because Jesus, it is actually your prayer as a son on the earth that is manipulating the circumstance and situation to align up your own execution so my will can be. Jesus was praying his own death into existence to accomplish the purpose of God. That's why he was being crushed because he knew if I don't pray, I'm not going to the cross and I have to pray like the world depends on it. I have to pray till I'm arrested, till I'm tried, till I'm persecuted, until I'm sent to the cross. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My God, that's good preaching. 
why do we persist in prayer? We persist in prayer because not because we're trying to move God. We persist in prayer because we're moving earth and it's obstinate sometimes. And we keep praying until earth looks like heaven. If we have the will of God, we don't let earth determine what we pray. We let the will of God determine what we pray. And we pray the will of God until earth aligns with it. And that's what Jesus was doing. God's will is I've got to go to the cross. He's not going to execute me. I'm not going to execute myself. The disciples aren't. So we've got to pray that Satan finds a place in Judas. We've got to pray that Judas cares more about money than me. We've got to pray that, the, that all the leaders turn against me. And I've got to pray they come arrest me. And I've got to pray that everybody cries out, crucify him. I've got to pray to see God's will in the earth. And God's will is that I have to go to the cross, but he's not going to send me there. So I pray until earth executes the will of heaven. That's why in Matthew 7, verse 7, Jesus says, ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Why do I keep asking? Is God deaf? No. Earth's obstinate. Why do I keep seeking? Why do I keep asking? Does God not want to move? No, no, no. God wants to move. He's going to move through you. But we got to move earth around. This is why we pray. For me, I feel like as a church, we're going into the biggest season that, that we've ever gone in. I mean, since I've been here, and I've been here since before the beginning. <laughs> I remember when I was 19 and God gave me the vision for what we now sit in. And I don't think we can do it if we don't pray. Because the only way we're going to move forward as a church is we've got to get earth to line up with heaven. And God's given us the vehicle. And that's why I'm, I'm asking you, like when we talk about this triple seven prayer movement, I hope you're praying with me every day, just seven minutes a day. <laughs> I'm not even asking for money, right? I'm not showing you pictures of animals that are dying and Sarah McLaughlin singing. And I'm like, for seven cents a day, I can get Fido out of whatever. And not even asking for that. I'm saying, could you pray seven minutes a day, seven days a week from now through August, seven months to see God's kingdom come? that God would expand our reach, that we would follow in the footsteps of faith, and that God would provide through us for what he wants to do. Very simple. From now through Easter, we have um, created some prayer times. We, we always have a prayer time Saturday at 9 a.m. We have some very faithful people that come at 9 a.m. God's been doing some amazing things. I, the other day, I got a vision from a lady that was in one of those prayer times, and it was extraordinary. She, in a moment, was like in the new building at Pathway and watching people be delivered and healed and freed, and it was incredible. And so God's wanting to move, but he cannot, will not do more than we pray. And so for the next, from now through Easter, we've added Tuesday mornings at 6 a.m., Tuesday, Thursday mornings at 6 a.m., and then, of course, Saturdays at 9. And what I'm saying is, hey, could you pray? Even if you can't be here, can you pray where you're at? Pray at 6 a.m. with us. Pray, pray at 9 a.m. on Saturdays. I, usually, to be honest, because my weekend schedule and Saturday morning is the only time that I kind of have my family all in one place, 
I don't make it to the Saturday morning prayer. I just pray with them. Every, every Saturday at 9 o'clock, I'm like, God, move this weekend. I join my faith with theirs. I know they're praying, and I would be there, but I'm a dad and a husband, right? And I'm going to be gone all weekend. So this is my time with my kids, but I know they're there praying, right? And so what I'm saying, will you join me in prayer? If you can be here at 6 a.m., would you come pray with us? Because I want to move earth and make it look like heaven. If you can't be here, will you join with us in prayer? And if you don't have one of these cards, will you just get one and put it, put it on the dashboard of your car? I don't, this is something you can do on your way to work right here. Right? <laughs> Pastor approved. Just don't close your eyes if you're driving. Amen. <laughs> don't get caught up in the spirit if you're driving. You understand what I'm saying? But still, we can profess God's word over our church. Because guys, what we want to do, listen to me, listen to me. What God is calling us to and what we want to do is not going to happen just because we want it to happen. It's going to happen because like Paul said, we labored in prayer until Christ was formed in us. How do you take over a world? You pray like the world depends on it. Why don't you stand with me?